One of the biggest challenges we have as a nation is the fact that we're so arrogant, we don't believe that our nation can be attacked. Unfortunately, that's not true. We have deep problems and issues and vulnerabilities, and among them is American infrastructure. And an expert on infrastructure security is our good friend, Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, who is uh, Marine Reserves and a great friend of the Economic War Room. Welcome back, Tommy. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate having me here. You know, we've talked before about this issue, but you're making advances. So I want to go back over the idea of protecting our electric grid, why it's so important, what's being done about it, and what we should be doing about it. So tell us, why is our grid considered vulnerable? Well, so the first thing to recognize is that out of the 16 different critical infrastructures that we have in our country, every single one depends on electricity. And so it is the most critical of critical infrastructures, which is why we've been focused on it for, for decades. The grid itself, it's, it's important for people to understand what is it. So we say the grid. What we're talking about is this incredible machine, essentially, one of the most complicated ones humans have ever developed that produces electricity, transmits it, usually across long distances, and then distributes it for use in, in industry and people's household so when we flip the lights on, they go on because of a whole series of processes that are taking place uh, using energy, transmitting it, uh, delivering it, right, right. so forth. Exactly. And so each part of that, uh, there, there are vulnerabilities. So you've got generation. That could be nuclear, coal, natural gas, solar, wind, right? And then in order for that power to be transported a long distance to get to the people who need it, they have to step up the voltage for those long transmission lines that you see. Well, what steps that up and then what steps it down on the other end are transformers. Those transformers, these extra high voltage transformers, these are really an Achilles heel for that whole system. That's just one area of potential vulnerability that an adversary or mother nature could target to take down that infrastructure. Because for example, the transformers are essentially irreplaceable. Some of these transformers take 18 months to build. Well, let's talk about it just for a second so people get an understanding. I drive past a power substation. What's in there are transformers. Is that right? Right, right, right. And, and, but you're talking about large scale, big, big transformers. And how many of them are there across the country? So you've got about 55,000 substations across the whole country. In terms of the extra high voltage transformers, you have over 2,000 of those. Okay. So you think about a scenario uh, there's only a certain number of rail cars that can even move these across the country. They're exceptionally difficult to move. They're custom built for the grid. So you really can't lose a large number of them at any one point. Why would you lose them? Do they just wear out? Uh, what, what are the things that would cause Yeah, so, so it, it, some of them do, uh, just due to old age. Um, they can be attacked in a whole host of different fashions. So you have you have physical sabotage, right? So you saw this in 2013, in April 2013. Metcalf. Metcalf, exactly. And, and so the study that the federal government did after that revealed that a, a successful attack like that in just nine substations across the country, the right nine substations, could take the grid out for the whole country for up to 18 months, right? That's from physical sabotage. You have cyber attack. And there's a lot of different ways through uh, cyber that these substations can be attacked and that these transformers can be catastrophically ruined. One of them is called the Aurora vulnerability. At this moment, 
there are no protections, there's no requirement for protections against the Aurora vulnerability in the U.S. grid at all. And this what is something is that we that... So Aurora is a condition where you have rotating equipment. Say, for example, the, the grid operates in a certain phase. And if you can get it to operate out of phase, all this moving equipment will destroy itself. If you uh, viewers can go to YouTube and just type, type in the Aurora experiment transformer, they can watch a Department of Homeland Security video that was meant to wake up the utility industry and unfortunately didn't, showing a generator just cooking off and smoking, catastrophically being ruined. There is no requirement right now in the U.S. grid to protect against the Aurora vulnerability. So that's another way. A way that some of our adversaries are using is through supply chain vulnerabilities. That, are, that for example, um, you know, we, we look at the, the Chinese Communist Party, right? right. Uh, who we know, you know, is taken from the playbook of, of, of Sun Tzu, you know, the art of war. So Sun Tzu said in this book, the supreme art of war is to subdue your enemy without fighting. And we'll talk about what that means. Taking the grid down would subdue this country without ever firing a shot in combat. So how do the Chinese do that? Unrestricted warfare. Yeah, no, th- this, is the, this is the update of the whole concept. This is technologically updated. It mentions taking out a power grid. And so how do, how do they do that with, with a supply chain? Perfect example. China identifies a certain kind of steel that's used in the manufacturing of, of transformers, okay. grain-oriented steel. They dump it into the market in such a way that it puts American manufacturers out of business. The other thing they do is they make these transformers cheaper and faster than anybody else in the world as fast as they can. Well, what does that mean? Well, if they're manufacturing them, then they can bake in certain things in that design. Many people probably don't realize that a year and a half ago or so, um, right at the port of Houston, a transformer that was being imported into the United States to be put into the U.S. grid was seized by the federal government. It was put under federal escort and brought to Sandia National Laboratory to be ripped apart and inspected. Why? Because another transformer out there in the grid somewhere was identified to have a hardware backdoor. What does that mean? Well, according to one of the officials from the National Security Council, that hardware backdoor meant that someone could remotely turn off that transformer. So even without physical sabotage or cyber attack, um, with a hardware backdoor that has some ability, whether it's cyber uh, or remote control, to turn that asset off, the, the result is still the same. And then, of course, you have uh, what is we consider the most catastrophic threat, which is those electromagnetic threats, which is either man-made or from the sun. So solar weather, uh, a coronal mass ejection uh, from the sun, uh, or a nuclear high-altitude electromagnetic pulse attack are two other vectors. So the bottom line is, is that our grid is, is vulnerable, but not just that. We depend on the grid, but not just that. Our enemies know that we depend on the grid, and they know that it's vulnerable. So if they want to conduct an act of war without firing a shot, taking away American electricity would end us as a nation. That's right. Yeah, the Congressional EMP Commission... Uh, which was put together by Congress to study the threat from electromagnetic pulse. What they found is that in one year without electricity, that we would lose 90% of our population. Wow. All right, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, let's get some good news.
Tommy, right before the break, you put out a startling statistic. You said that if the grid were down for a year or more, we would lose 90% of the American population. How does it get to that? So that, that number came from the Congressional EMP Commission. Now, what they did is they looked at the population of the United States pre-electricity. So the land mass of the United States before electricity was about 30 million people, right? Okay. That's what it supported. Now we're about 30, uh, 330 million people. The issue here is that I think it's going to be worse because the 30 million people who, who existed on the, the North American landmass before electricity knew how to live without electricity. Sure. Right? And so uh, the, the unfortunate thing is that it would be catastrophic for, for uh, America, for Western civilization, were the grid to go down for that long. The good news is that this is a fixable problem. Now, how do you get there? How do you get to 90 million people? Because the electricity is out. When we have the power go out, nobody dies instant. Well, I guess if you were in the hospital and you didn't have a battery backup and you were dependent on a life-saving machine. But 90%, how do you get to that figure? Yeah, well, I mean, let's look at just Texas, right? So last year we had uh, the Texas grid went down uh, just for about four days uh, right. because of cold weather, right? And it didn't entirely go down. It went down in selected spots. Yeah, great point, great point. It was actually four and a half minutes from a, a much longer outage uh, because of that whole out-of-phase out of potential. But you had 241 deaths in that just three, four-day period of not a complete blackout, right? And people knew that the power was going to come back on at some point. So what happens is you have, of course, uh, water. Depending on where you live, you might lose water within an hour or two, depending on the pressure, right? You think... Three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food, right? And so the example you mentioned of people in hospitals on, on respirators, something like that, unfortunately, they're going to perish very quickly. Most hospitals, thankfully, have backup generators. Water becomes the next uh, significant issue. It's both for consumption, but it's also wastewater. So you think about um, just the convenience of being able to flush a toilet and know that that waste is going to go somewhere. Without electricity, it backs up. So whether it's apartment complexes or residential homes, uh, many different so places. So that's disease, water, you know, third world countries deal with that, okay. And then you have the societal effect, really just um, you would have societal collapse. And we've seen this. Um, we well, saw we it. talked about food in a prior episode. We talked about food. Right. You wouldn't have access to food if you don't have electricity. Absolutely not. Yeah, that, that food infrastructure, as we mentioned in the last segment that, that we did about that, it all depends on electricity. It's a just-in-time service with respect to the grocery stores ordering. You know, most groceries have enough on the shelf for about one to three days for the local populace in that area. Then you have regional distribution centers that have possibly up to a month worth, in with, but that's refrigerated, right? Right. You lose refrigeration and you don't have backup power, that food spoils within a matter of days. Okay, so we lose food. Medicine, we would lose the ability to travel because you can't pump gasoline and all that. So I get it. All right, that's how 90% go. So what do we do about it? So like I said, the, the, the good news is, is a fixable problem, right? Um, the reason it hasn't been fixed is not enough Americans realize the vulnerability and they haven't applied enough pressure to the people who can fix it. Okay. Now, who are the people that can fix it? Well, the utility industry can if they wanted to, um, but for them to do it, it costs money, right? And at the moment, what they've used their money to do, the money that we pay in our electricity bills, uh, is to lobby our elected officials not to regulate them 
and force them to protect the grid against all these hazards, right? And so we're in a position right now, if you can believe it, it's, it's pretty incredible. The utility industry is self-regulated. They make their own rules to protect their infrastructure, and those rules have to be approved by the federal government for the bulk power system, FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And we're in a spot right now, if you can believe this, this is the only industry where I know that this exists, where if the critical infrastructure protection standards, the rules established by the industry and approved by the government, if a utility breaks those rules, we don't get to know. We don't get to know, Congress doesn't get to know, public service commissioners don't get to know. The federal government, FERC, removes the name of that utility when they put a public notice about that enforcement action. It's the only industry that does it. You look at the pipelines with the Department of Transportation, over 20 years, 4,395 violations, every single one of them publicly disclosed. But if our utility decides to break the rules that are established for the protection of that most critical infrastructure. Established by themselves, by... We don't get to know. Wow. And so the good news is we're doing something about it. One of our members uh, of our Secure the Grid Coalition, uh, Michael Maybe, a retired command sergeant major in the Army, sued FERC. Why? Because he had, he, he put 255 Freedom of Information Act, FOIA requests, to disclose the names of more than 1,500 violators, 1,500 utilities, that have broken these rules. And FERC denied it. And so he sued the federal government, he sued FERC. Uh, I'm involved in the lawsuit myself to essentially say, look, there is no reason, no national security reason why you can't release the name of these violators. So the public gets to know. We have a right to know. We have a right to know. And so with that sort of pressure, with public education and public outrage, frankly, um, that can begin the process of causing these, really the executives in these companies uh, to want to do the right thing. Is there a way for an outraged public to respond? What do they do? There is. So we have a number of different websites. Uh, Securethegrid.com uh, is one of them. And I'd be happy to talk to you about a documentary that we have coming out uh, soon that will educate them about this and give them some tools for them to actually get involved uh, in this fight. That's great. And, and take action? Absolutely. So at Securethegrid.com, we maintain a page, you literally click on it, take action. And whatever the latest campaign is that where people can make a difference, they go to the take action page, click on it, and it gives them a series of instructions on what they can do to make a difference. Well, you know we always produce an economic battle plan, and we'll put that link in our battle plan so our people can take action too. Perfect, perfect. So we've got a problem. It's a serious problem. It's not being taken uh, seriously as it should. We have a group of people willing to take action. Tell us about the coalition. So this coalition, the Secure the Grid Coalition, was founded by, by my boss, Frank Gaffney. I know you've had him on the show uh, a number of times. It's, it's been around for over a decade. And it, it ranges from national security experts, experts on electromagnetic pulse, cybersecurity experts, all the way down to people in their state who are activists who are just working hard to try to protect the grid in their state. We do conference calls every Friday where we, where we strategize on, on uh, how we're going to um, fight this fight. And then we've been blessed that we've now been working with a series of filmmakers uh, for the the types of documentary films that can bring the the attention uh, to the American people of this significant issue. And we're actually very fortunate. It even got picked up uh, by 60 Minutes. So Mike Maybe, uh, the one I mentioned who sued the federal government, was just recently featured on 60 Minutes, uh, which has been very helpful to raise in the public awareness of this issue. All right, we're going to need to take another break. 
When we come back, let's talk about the film, because I think I know which one it is, and I think our viewers need to see it. When I was working with the Pentagon as an economic warfare consultant, contractor, uh, one of the places I was called was to a Maryland congressman. Now, he was a, he was a gentleman. He was a really nice man. He was older. In fact, uh, he recently just turned 96 years old. His name is Roscoe Bartlett, and he was a leader in the House talking about the risk of the electric grid. That's a man who had perspective and understanding. He was born in 1926, so he knew something about life uh, you know, before the modern electrified age that we have today. He, he grew up you know, in the Great Depression and so forth. That's a gentleman who understood the problem, tried to raise his voice in Congress, was basically ignored, and now he lives off in the woods somewhere, and I'm sure he was a healthy guy then, I'm sure he's a healthy guy now. 96-year-old prepper uh, living out there, but my hat tip to Roscoe Bartlett, my hat tip to you, Tommy Waller, uh, because you're fighting the fight. He handed the baton to people like you. Tell us about the fight now to protect our grid. Well, since, since you brought up Roscoe Bartlett, it is, it is worth the audience knowing just a, a little story real quick. Like, how, how did we end up finding out about electromagnetic pulse, for example? I see that you've got, you've got one second after. Anybody that hasn't read this really should. Uh, Dr. William Fortune, this story is a fictional story about uh, a community after an electromagnetic pulse attack. The United States uh, found out about this because of Roscoe Bartlett and Kurt Weldon, two congressmen, uh, during the, the whole Kosovo crisis. They were over in Europe uh, negotiating with the, the Russian Duma. And at one point, the Russians were pretty upset with what uh, the United States was doing. They said, look, if we really wanted to do you harm, we'd launch a submarine-launched ballistic missile off your coast and, and detonate a nuclear weapon up in space and turn off the lights. And, you know, Congressman Bartlett, Congressman Weldon looked at each other like, what are they talking about, right? And so they came back to the United States. They asked the intelligence community, what, what is this? And that was the beginning of what formed the Congressional Electromagnetic Pulse Commission, the EMP Commission, which published their first report in 2004, unfortunately the same day as the 9-11 reports were published. So it got almost no attention. Uh, so what we've had is since that 2004 to the present day, you've had people in this uh, community of, of experts, our Secure the Grid Coalition, uh, the, uh, one person that comes to mind, Dr. Peter Pry, who was the, the chief of staff at the Congressional EMP Commission, uh, has been uh, just a hero in That's this brilliant, movement. Man. And, and so um, we've just had this struggle, this righteous struggle to raise awareness uh, about, about it. And the good thing is, you know, we kind of started to talk about in the last segment, 60 Minutes has begun to pick it up. Uh, we now have multiple documentary films. Uh, the Black Sky Event film series uh, by a, a gentleman named David Womack. It's going to be a whole series that lays this out. 
And then fortunately we have one documentary that now has, has been uh, embraced by Dennis Quaid um, as, as the narrator uh, for this film, uh, Grid Down, Power Up by, by David Tice. Yeah, we've had David Tice on the program. David Tice, as a reminder, is the, the guy that, that made this incredible movie, uh, Soul Surfer. And he had Dennis Quaid on here. And I remember suggesting to David, the guy you need to narrate this is Dennis Quaid. So he got him. That's awesome. It is. And, you know, we, uh, we had a, a, like a kind of a preview screening of the Grid Down Power Up documentary just, just a few weeks ago uh, in Austin, in Texas, at the Capitol. And we've had a six-plus-year struggle in Texas to try to get the state of Texas to secure its grid. Right. Because um, we have our own. You got the your own East grid. Coast, the West Coast, and Texas. Texas could do it. If there was a will, Texas could secure its grid against all hazards. Uh, your viewers might want to hear some of the stories. I don't know that we have time to tell them, but we have worked in this state uh, just exceptionally. And, and the, the guy, the hero who's been leading that is uh, State Senator Bob Hall. Also been on our program. Great man. And, you know, it's incredible how, how we met him. Uh, it, you know, I, I, honestly, I was praying. Frank Gaffney gave me the mission. Hey, you're, you're going to be in charge of the Security Grid Coalition. I want you to work Texas first. So I, here I go to Texas. I got Dr. Peter Pry with me. Quite honestly, didn't even have a plan, right? It's just the very first thing I did, and I'm praying about it. And do you know the first person that I met at the Texas Capitol as we walked into the elevator was Senator Bob Hall. Hey, how you doing? What are you guys here for? Well, you know, might sound odd, but we're here to try to talk to people about electromagnetic pulse. And your viewers, if they watched the segment with, with Bob Hall, would recognize that that was his job in the Air Force years ago to protect our nuclear weapon systems against electromagnetic pulse, what a blessing. Yeah, no, in fact, I met uh, Senator Hall before he was Senator Hall when he had a tea party in Canton. He had me come in and speak, and we filmed a Glenn Beck documentary, I think, at that. We were a part of it, and, and I talked to him about that, too. He said, this is the biggest vulnerability we face. This is unrestricted warfare on steroids. Absolutely, and so he's, he's been a leader here uh, in Texas and really nationwide. Uh, so we screened the film. Uh, we actually, from Senator Hall's office, we had a conference call with Dennis Quaid. Uh, and, you know, we kind of told him, look, you know, in this, at the time, we had probably over 100 years worth of combined experience of people in uniform or in the CIA in this area. And we That's said, look, phenomenal. we haven't made enough, enough difference yet. We've, we've got you, with your help now, maybe we can, no pressure, right? And, and I think that I mean, he, the way he responded was amazing. He is 100% behind it. And so, um, a good Texas man, too. Yeah, exactly. So that, that gives people hope. The good thing about um, this uh, is that the documentary is also going to be tied to an, a campaign, uh, an Align Act campaign. Oh, we love Align Act campaigns here in the Economic War Room. Use them whenever we can. And this is one where we've essentially taken every recommendation that we've made over the last decade, significant recommendations, and we've put them into this Align Act campaign to where when people send that out, those elected officials will get to see all of the recommendations that have been made, along with hyperlinks to show how many years ago we made these recommendations for them to finally take action. Ultimately, the biggest thing that could be done is for Congress to legislate by law that the utility industry will take reasonable, prudent measures to protect their assets against all hazards, and that every year the CEO of each utility would certify that they've done so, much like the Sarbanes-Oxley legislation. Oh, yeah. That's what we need in this country. If you did any, just anything, then it would get the attention of the utility executives who would then care more about security than they maybe do about profit. 
I also want to make sure you know there are utilities that are doing the right thing, especially in Texas. You've got Centerpoint Energy, Siemens teamed up on some incredible technologies, CPS Energy out of San Antonio. So I don't want the viewers to think that all the utility companies are only worried about profit right. and not security. You've got some that are leading in Texas, but we need, we need there to be a requirement and incentives for them to do it widespread. One thing I'd like to add, and you can take back to the, the coalition, I don't attend as often as I should, but an Alinac campaign targeting the board of directors of all these utilities so that they start to get, because congressmen get 100 emails a day. They're, that's nothing new to them, thousands of emails. But if you're a board member and all of a sudden you're getting uh, emails coming in saying, secure the grid, secure the grid, secure the grid, they're going to start to demand action. So I, I heartily idea. suggest a line act going to them and going to the company to reach them. And shareholders ought to stand up uh, because if you're invested in a utility and they're not protecting against this, they're putting you at risk. And that's a risk that you should not accept. Well, Absolutely. Tommy, I just want to thank you. You're doing phenomenal work, the Secure the Grid Coalition. Where can we learn more? Yeah, we, so securethegrid.com uh, is, is a, the coalition's website. Um, Grid Security Now is Mike Maybe's website. So he's the one that's, that's suing FERC. And then, of course, you have Grid Down Power Up, which is the documentary. Uh, and, you know, the last thing I want to I want to leave you with was actually some wisdom from Dr. Peter Pry, the, the chairman or the, I'm sorry, the uh, the chief of staff, the Congressional EMP Commission. You know what he said? He said, Tommy, you know, this topic really makes people obviously scared. <laughs> it makes people want to, you know, maybe run to the frontier like, you know, Mr. Roscoe Bartlett. Right. right. Uh, he's on the frontier off the grid. Hey, that's fine. That's great. He also fought the fight. And what 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 Dr. Price said is, you know, the founders of this country had an infinite frontier to run to. They didn't. They turned and they fought tyranny. And so while we need to be prudent and we need to be preparing for a grid down situation, we also need to fight the tyranny of inaction. And that's what they can do uh, by joining us at securethegrid.com. Uh, thank you, Tommy. Here's what you can do. You can get our economic battle plan and take action, just like uh, Lieutenant C Colonel Waller suggested. Uh, and he did that from his position at the Center for Security Policy, his position as uh, Director of Infrastructure Security. So you can take that kind of action. You get a free battle plan at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank you.